When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Fulhamish Whiteboard with me, Dan Cook, and Mr. Ben Jarman. Here we are touching on, well, a fantastic season for the Whites, really. I mean, finishing 10th in the league, finishing above Chelsea and... The thoughts of relegation evaporated very, very early on in the season to produce what was a relatively stress-free season for the Whites, and we can't say that very often. We thought we'd bring you a little whiteboard end-of-season review with a little early look forward to the next Premier League season. So I'm delighted to say, as always, I'm joined by Ben. Ben, how are we doing? Hello, mate. Yes, I'm very well, thank you. I'm glad to be on. It's great to review a season of somewhat chaos less football I mean <laughs> since we've since we've done Fulhamish for the past six or seven years it's been promotion relegation or a playoff every single season so to have this mild sense of comfort is actually quite nice but it's been a historic season and, and we've we've played brilliantly throughout so yeah loving this review yeah it's been brilliant I mean record smashed all over the shop in this season, which has been fantastic. You know, and give a, a shout out to, to Stephen Sheldrake, who's written an article on this uh, on the Fulhamish website. So go through and have a look at some of the records we've broken. But you're looking at the most Premier League wins in a season for the Whites and, and the most goals away from home and away wins. I mean, it's 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 been fantastic and it's no less than we deserve, really. It's been a real pleasure to watch this team this season. And all credit, I think, to, to the players, but... For me, I think the, a lot of this credit sits with Marco Silva. The, the the way that he's adapted this team and, and the way that he's understood that Fulham coming up from the championship probably weren't going to be able to, to be that swashbuckling side that was going to pass their way through teams and just dominate from minute one. And, and the changes, there's been a big change and a change in slight change in personnel as well, you know, through injuries, but also through Fabio leaving. It was It was quite a job in the summer, but I mean, they, they've put together a great squad, right? Yeah, I mean, it's been an exceptional change. I think people say that Aleppo can't change its spots, but Fulham changed theirs a few times in this season alone. I think I was thinking about this this morning when I woke up just before we came on here. And, you know, one of the first things I thought about was those first like eight or nine games of the season where Fulham just played wholly on the counter or on the transition. And then we started to get a bit comfortable after we'd got a few wins under our belt. And then it was like, Fulham being much more positive in possession. We were comfortable in that possession. We were making things work. And then after the World Cup, it was like we tightened the belt, got again like a nice run of wins. We got a few clean sheets in a row, which is unheard of at the start of the season. We were outscoring teams. Then we were suddenly winning 1-0. Then that we had a dreadful run of six or seven games. And then towards the end again, we we oscillated into a completely different team and we looked again comfortable in possession going through transitions too and actually the football's been very pretty all year which is uh 
really nice. You know, you get some teams that come up from the championship and it is batting down the hatches, get the ball long, get in behind, play Graham Taylor, like marginal football. And Fulham just didn't do that. It was great. Yeah, I, it's, I think that's one of the things that's pleased me most is that we've all spoken, you know, everyone said in the run-up to, to this season that Fulham are going to have to be pragmatic in a sense because mm. there's been a lot that's been shown of, of Premier of championship teams that come into the Premier League tried to play the brand of football they played in the championship and they just get murdered because you try and go toe-to-toe with some of these teams and you don't stand a chance. Yeah, But it's tough because you don't want your side to become impossible to watch. And I think there are some teams in the Premier League this season who have been and their fans are not happy with the football they've been playing. Whereas you look at Fulham, yes, we've been more pragmatic, but we've retained like this ethos and this philosophy of moving the ball about nicely, building through the phases, you know, that midfield doesn't get bypassed. We're playing proper football just at a slightly quicker tempo. And and sometimes we are sitting a bit deeper, but it's never been really a, a chore to watch this Fulham side. We've not been sitting watching this turgid football. And I think that that's a, a huge difference because last time we were in the Premier League, it was turgid football. And the time before we tried to be the the Fulham that got promoted and, and that just didn't work. So yeah. to, to have found that middle ground, that, that feels to me like Marco's credit. Totally. I think one of the things you just said there was that Fulham or teams come up from the championship and they try and play... Oh, a certain, they, they either stay the same or they change completely. And we saw that in the previous two promotions. We came up under Slav and we tried to play the way we did in the championship and we got destroyed. Then we came up with Parker and we again, we tried to play the way that, we've, that we did in the championship and, uh, and went completely the opposite way. And that didn't work either. So it's nice to see some sort of natural progression out of Silver. And, and as you rightly say, we have playmakers in that final third and also in the midfield that enable us to move through the, tra- the transitions well to play a great style of football. And I think actually looking back on it, the signing of someone like Willian is actually someone we probably could have really done with or a player in that mould in the, in the previous two promotions because that's a guy that knows how the Premier League works. He knows how to be effective in tight spaces, how to get something out of nothing. And that's probably a hallmark of the Premier League is the ability for teams to get something out of seemingly nothing. Um, those quick those quick fibres. I think you know, we saw it in actually one of the goals that United scored against us on the final day of the season. That reverse pass from Fred, insane pass, just comes out of nowhere. And, and you know, it, like that is 2-1. And that is the hallmark of the Premier League. And I think we've had a few of those this season. You know, the thing that comes to mind is Manuel Solomon's goals. Like that came out of nowhere, incredible finish, well, two of exactly the same finish in a row. Um, but we've had, we've had goals and we've had games that we don't necessarily deserve to win, but we've conjured something out of nothing and previous iterations of Fulham wouldn't have done that. No, completely agree. And I think with, there's a really nice graphic that sort of firms up this sort of change and this progression of this Fulham side that Opta have put together. And this looks at, this tries to sort of describe a team style where you've got the number of passes per sequence that goes along the bottom and vertical axis, you've got the speed of, of the movement of the ball. So, you know, how quickly are they going towards goal? And you've got the complete polar opposites there. So if you look at Nottingham Forest, for example, who are right in that top left, they're a team who 
don't make many passes and they try and progress the ball as quickly as possible. And in the very bottom right, who are nearly off the screen, you've got Manchester City who play a load of passes and they don't drive towards goal with any amount of speed. They build up slowly. And if anyone's watched City, you can you can see that change there, that difference between them and Nottingham Forest. You know, Forest going through games where they've had 20% possession and, mm. and City in games where they've had 80. And we've yeah. highlighted Fulham here who are slap bang in the middle of this graph where, you know, we are not a team that is lumping it long. You know, we've got a load of teams below us there who move it in a more direct manner, but we're also not moving the ball slowly. And I think this is, this is exactly how this Fulham team has been. And last season, we'd have been a lot more in the direction of Manchester City, I think. Way yeah. more passes, way more possession. There were games when we did criticise Fulham because they were a little bit too slow at times. You know, we had a lot of possession, but didn't do a huge amount with it. And this season, we've seen that difference. You know, these numbers are, are proof to me that that Marco has made a big change to to how we play, whilst retaining that that philosophy. And I think that's been a, a large contributing factor as to why we've done so well, Jams. Totally agree. I think, yeah. Again, to my to my original point, I think Fulham will will move up and down this scale all throughout the season, especially in the opening games. We're probably somewhere between Bournemouth and Forest. And then at times this season, we're probably somewhere around United and Spurs. And it just happens to be that we're slap bang in the middle. I think, you know, even throughout the patterns of games, you see Fulham settling into different rhythms depending on their opponent. And I think that's one thing Silver has done incredibly well this year is to understand how to tackle individual opponents. And even then, go down into managing specific periods in play and tactical changes. Um, I think there's previous coaches at Fulham that we've, criticised for not being able to do that. But I think Silva has done that quite significantly well. Um, I, I think, you know, even the games we play against the so-called top six or top eight, however much you want to go down that, that table, you know, Fulham have changed their style somewhat throughout every single one of those games. You know, I think the one that screams out to me is the two defeats, unfortunate defeats to both of the Manchester clubs well, we played on the back foot for a long time, but we still had that sting in the tail for a lot of periods, uh, a lot of times during that game. But yeah, I think Fulham, like the, the big thing I take away from this is that there's a platform to build on here. We're not distinct, distinctly below average against any of those top five, six, eight teams. Uh, and actually like the fact that we're closer to the likes of United, Tottenham, uh, than we are to the likes of Forest, Leeds, Southampton. For me, is a, is a huge, yeah, as I say, big platform to build on next year. Yeah, I think that that point about that sort of duality of Fulham is great as well. Because yeah, if you you think back to certain games this season, like I think the Forest game at Craven Cottage is a great example where we went out against a team that we are on the pitch just better than, and we controlled that game. You know, and we would have been a lot further right on this graph because we were playing more passes per sequence and we were probably operating at slightly lower speed. But then you compare that to, say, the Brighton game away at the Amex where we won 1-0, where I think that was maybe our first shot on target, the goal. And that was where Fulham were like, right, we are sitting in and we're just going to wait for our opportunity to try and win this. And obviously there's so many variables in that game and we did get lucky. But the ability to be both of those teams, I think, is very important because you're going to have to in the Premier League. You know, that it's 
Brighton are a real special case where they are actually able to go toe-to-toe with the, the traditional top six clubs and, and they are just so well coached that they can. But otherwise, you really do have to offer something different in those games in order to try and come away with anything. Totally I think the, agree. Yeah, no, go ahead. I was I was going to make a point saying I, I totally agree. And I think one of the things you have to do well if you're going to be a consistent, you know, somewhere between 12 and eight in the in the league is to be able to change the way you play varying on the opponent I mean as defeating defeatist as this sounds Fulham are going to be a mid-table Premier League team for hopefully a, a long period in time now and actually I, I distinctly remember one podcast where I think Drew said uh, imagine how shit it would be to be a, like a middle of the table Premier League supporting fan base what do you have to look forward to every year but actually, that kind of stability is nice. Having a good cup runs great. But to see your team on the pitch be able to change the way they play depending on the opponent is actually quite nice, at least from our point of view as tactical nerds. <laughs> no, it is. It is. And it's interesting because th- that, as we've spoken about, that philosophy has stayed the same. And I think a lot of that centres around Alexander Mitrovic up mm. top. I think when you've got a striker with such a specific skill set, of you know being aerially dominant and also just a, just a proper poacher, you know a striker who knows where to end up in the box. You play to his strengths, and so whilst we have changed the methods of how we get the ball into attacking areas, what we can clearly see is that Fulham are retaining this process, and we spoke about it loads of times last season. Is getting the ball into the box from out wide, and yep. you've got two ways of doing that. You've got the the high looping balls that Kenny Tete sends in, which they, they go on an arc that no one else can cross a ball like Kenny Tete. It's it's bizarre. And then you've got, you know, more in the class of the wingers getting into those those channels in the area. And Tom Kearney in particular, I think, is great at getting into those spaces and you're cutting the ball back. And that's where, you know, we rank second in the league for the successful crosses. And I think that says a lot about how we try to create goal scoring opportunities is getting the ball out wide and trying to provide for Alexander Mitrovic. And that's great because he is fantastic at that. Where we did see a drop off with Fulham is when we didn't have him. And we yeah. still tried to play that way with a centre forward who who isn't as good at dealing with those situations. But what that leaves us with, you know, all of those successful crosses is the equal highest number of goals from headers this season. And I think probably intuitively we could have all come up with this as a as a, an idea that we likely are ranking pretty highly for these things because one, we get the ball out wide, but two, we are very, very dangerous in set pieces. Yeah. And I think that's it's important. It's it's something that we've com- complained about in previous Premier League seasons when we've gone down is that we seem to give away a fair few goals from corners and they feel really cheap and they feel like your opposition hasn't had to work particularly hard to get them. So it's great to see us putting him in the other end, and, and Fulham put a lot of effort into these set pieces. You know, we've seen some really nice routines from them this season. Yeah, I completely agree. I think mean, you know, also building on what we saw last year with the the old blocking, uh, basketball style blocking. You know, we thought that we'd get up into the Premier League, and that would be some sort of slowdown of the success of that style of play. But actually, it's been maintained. And again, we saw it on the last day of the season with the Kenny Tate header. And as you rightly point out, there have been lots of different routines, pingers out to the edge of the box, you know, flick-ons at the near post uh, for the far post, lots of really varying routines, actually, which which have made Fulham unpredictable in the box. And that's one thing I'd like to point out 
is that oftentimes the sustainability of scoring from corners, set pieces, headers, and crosses is oftentimes questioned. But if there's one thing that gives me some sort of solace, it's that Fulham have managed to do or score goals from set pieces, corners, and free kicks for two seasons consistently now. So clearly something's working. And actually, I remember distinctly when Marco Silva was appointed, I tweeted out saying that we would concede loads of set-piece goals <laughs> and not score any. And obviously, in true fashion, uh, completely opposite has happened. So, like again, very happy to see that. I, 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 I just, again, it feels like we just wholeheartedly agree with each other on a lot of these points that we talk about on the whiteboard. But, you know... The interesting thing that I saw there was the the number of crosses that we had that were successful and, and the different style of cross that we have from different positions on the pitch. Um, I, I think also when you look comparatively to teams in the top six, specifically like look, the likes of City, they were actually probably a handful of crosses, successful crosses below us. But I think the nature of their crosses are entirely different to ours. They're the small cutbacks from when the wingers have got incredibly deep uh, and they just tend to be a little bit more effective. And that's something that, again, I would love to see Fulham do a little bit better next year is hit that byline and and get crosses in a position where it puts defenders under even more pressure than those high looping ones that Kenny Tete sends in. Yeah, no, no, I agree. And I think one of the, the tricky things with such a defined system like this is invariably you actually do come up against teams who are really capable at dealing with crosses from out wide. You know, I think we saw it against West Ham at home, I think is a, is a good casing point. It's just constant bombardment into the area when you have got opposition centre-backs who feel comfortable dealing with them. And I think it was the same with Wolves as well when you've got Craig Dawson, Max Kilman, these these big centre-halves who are, are willing to, to go and challenge in the air, you Fulham need something different there. And I think you're right. Yeah. It's it's not necessarily stopping crossing the ball. It's just crossing it from, from different areas of the pitch. And I think yeah. that's where we've seen Fulham struggle when we've chased games, is that as teams drop deeper and deeper, we seem to resort to putting the ball into the box earlier and earlier. And actually, it never seems to work for us because you're outnumbered in the box. Uh, and not only are you outnumbered, if you've got two centre-halves in there, we've only got one in Alexander Mitrovic. And the yeah. rest of our forward line is pretty small. You know, Andreas Pereira is not going to go in and, and win many headers up against the centre-half. Yeah, And so I, I do think, I, I think you're right in the sense where it would be nice to see this be an evolution of next season. And, and maybe that's a... I don't know, is it, is it a confidence thing or is it a player thing? Do you, do you think we maybe just don't currently have the players to to unlock defences in that way? Or is it just that we're still evolving as a team and trying to get there? Slightly a bit of both. I, I definitely feel like we have that creativity when Tom Kenny's on the pitch and that's probably the one of the most easy statements to make. But, you know, I always think back to the whiteboard that we did six weeks ago when we talk about Andreas Pereira coming in and out of matches. and. I, I, I always feel and have felt in this stretch of games towards the end of the season where Pereira hasn't been available, that we just simply had more control and more time, and more composure on the ball with Tom in there. And I think I'll always feel that way, regardless of if, if Tom Kenny's replacing Andreas Pereira or who would be replacing like Prime Meza Ozil. I would always sit there and think Tom Kenny probably has better composure on the ball than both of them. But yeah, I, I, I do think there's an evolution to Fulham. I do think that in 
either this transfer window or or if not next summer should we again stay up we'll start to see bigger players with more creative nows come in i'm not saying you know that because we're a middling hope like a mid table team that we shouldn't have these creative players and actually i think one of the one of the things that happened this year was the likes of southampton and all the players or all the teams down the end of the table focused too much on physicality and not enough on creativity and you see teams like southampton play turgid football where their people like the, the playmakers on the pitch just simply cannot playmake they are big physical players who can run up and down but they can't you know every every football player or every football team requires someone that can make something out of nothing and i don't feel like they have those players where i think that we do but we can improve on them over the next couple of years i think one question i wanted to ask back to you is just on the sustainability point of view i think there's a few underlying metrics in this team where we think about how sustainable this form is going forward particularly looking at how we score goals and how we keep them out of net if there's anything that worries you slightly going into next season yeah i think that there there are a, a couple of things that are a worry for for fulham and and this isn't a, a sort of like a putting anything down on this season it's just that it is important to address these things and it's an absolute guarantee that the club will be addressing these things internally mm. of being aware of, of where we sit statistically in some areas and so the first one is what they call overperformance of of xg so we are scoring we we scored nearly six goals more than our xg would suggest we should have scored now on the face of it i think that's a fantastic thing because it means that fulham are clinical and we have been at times and i think that largely comes from alexander mitrovic i think he is a center forward who scores goals that the average striker wouldn't and that is where you sort of sit with these numbers is is the an average player from an average position what is their chance of this being a goal and alexander mitrovic is a better header of the ball than 99% of players in in elite football and so that's where you see some of that overperformance but also you then add in manor solomon willian um tom kearney actually with a couple where you're you've got players who are producing goals out of nothing Mm. So Solomon in off that left flank a couple of times. Um, Willian we saw off both feet, both on the left and right flank, whipping them in. It's great because we've got players with the technical ability to score goals like that. However, you don't want to be relying, and this is one of the criticisms we had of Scott Parker teams, was you're relying on a moment of brilliance to get you a goal when you can't score in a game. And there are going to be games where you just don't get that moment of brilliance. I think we saw it with Manuel Solomon and and his his performances as the season went on. Once teams worked out what he was about, he became a lot less effective. And there aren't many players in elite football who have managed to be a quote unquote a one trick pony. You know, the, <laughs> yeah. like if you if you I think people a lot in the casing point were bringing up Iron Robin, and he is yeah was an exceptional footballer and his ability to create scenarios where he could open it up onto his left foot were what actually made him such a good player. I think it wasn't just his ability to strike the ball. It was the fact that he repeatedly fashioned these opportunities where he could get a shot off. Whereas yeah. I think Manuel Solomon has a way to go with that because as the season went on after those goals, 
you got started to see players doubling up on him. And suddenly, you know, going into a game, you've got a right back saying right to his right winger, come and join me. Don't let this man cut inside on his right foot. And suddenly we saw Manor go a little bit more invisible in those games, which saw him drop out of the team. So yeah. I think I think this is one of the things, and it's it's tough because it initially looks like a positive, but there is also a negative to this. And you look across the board and you say, well, Manchester City and Arsenal are overperforming, and they are, but they, again, they have elite footballers. You know, Manchester City have got the best striker in the world, well, the best finisher in the world, let's say. He is going to overperform his XG. And then you compare it to teams down the table who have underperformed their XG, and you can see teams who have had problems this season, like Chelsea and like Everton, teams that are missing a number nine, teams who are missing a really good centre forward. And the same with with Brighton being down there. They are missing that elite striker. And so I think there is a worry in there from a Fulham perspective that we can't rely on consistently overperforming our XG because only four teams did it this season. And that, that says quite a lot, right? That, that only yeah. four teams overperformed their XG and, and the rest in that situation, even, you know, even Brentford, they've got Ivan Tony, they've ended up underperforming their XG. So I think there is a worry there. I would say if, you, if you're going to play devil's advocate here, does the four, five penalty misses then even that out? And realistically, are we then just hovering around normal? No, because it'll go the other way. Because because we've because we've missed penalties, right? We would be that that's dragging us back down. Oh, so, so we, we would be up around Tottenham level. Yeah. So if if we were to add in the th- what is it th- four penalty misses in there, you would add in another. It's about zero point eight xg for a penalty. So add out another zero point eight onto that, and suddenly we're at sort of around seven goals more than expected. Yeah. So. So actually, yeah, penalty misses are actually making this number look a little bit better. It's actually deflating the number. Wow. Okay. Fulhamish is brought to you by NordVPN, a way of accessing sports matches, TV shows and films which aren't available in your region by switching your virtual location to a country which is showing the event. For instance, if you want to follow the Ashes or the Formula One this summer whilst you're on holiday using your existing subscriptions, you can do that just by flicking back your location to the UK. Or if you find a channel overseas that shows the sports matches you want at a much cheaper price, you can flick your location over to there and get around the geo blocks that are in place. NordVPN is roughly the same price as a cup of coffee a month and you can very easily make your money back with the savings you'll find on subscriptions, flights and so many other things. Right now, you can grab an exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash Fulhamish to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus a bonus gift. Best of all, it's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Once again, that's nordvpn.com slash Fulhamish. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, I, I was... There are a few elements to the team where I'm worried if this is sustainable. And again... You just flick the slide up there. So you, 
it, it's around how good Bert Leno is and how, and how actually he's underpinned a lot of our success this year. And I think <laughs> I always remember the first iteration of the stat show back in the day with Nick and George. And we were talking about how good Alfonso Ariola was and how he saved us so many goals. And then I think we had exactly the same with Sergio Rico as well. And yeah, I just, we have been very lucky to have some very good level keepers here that haven't been able to keep us in the league. But Leno absolutely has, in my opinion, kept us in games, ahead in games, and won us a significant amount of points. And it's still absolutely nuts to think that we got him for three million plus some sweets. Yeah. Pocket change. Like it's it's you look at those numbers and and he is the second statistically. So if we're looking at here, that based on the quality of the shots he's faced, we would have expected to have conceded nine more goals than we did. And nine more goals is a lot. You know, if if you start to separate those out through games, we know that Fulham have not necessarily blown many teams away this season. A lot of our games have been tight. There's been yeah. one goal in a lot of them. Those nine goals could could make a, a huge difference, and this is why I think you've seen some people putting his name forward for for our player of the season because actually he has been vital to this team, and he is so much further above any other keeper bar Allison in the league. You know, if you look at the way those bars drop, it's it's incredible, and and you would say the same about Liverpool this season, really, where defensively. They have been questionable, and I think this is where Fulham. This is my biggest worry, and this this is what I wanted to to lead on to. Was yes, we've got a fantastic keeper, and that's exactly what you want. You want a keeper who is able to win you points, but it also means, and if we we flick it over to the XG that we faced, we we can see a lot of chances, mm. and it's a tricky one because. There's a lot more to it than just the XG we're facing. You know, you can look in games where Fulham have eased off. You know, we're ahead in the game, so we sit a bit deeper. The opposition get more opportunities. That's fine. That's going to happen. That's not necessarily a bad thing. And you look at other games where the opposition have generated a high XG from from a couple of chances in the same moment. I think people were using the Leicester game as an example. But when you look across a season, these things really do start to to tell a story and you can see that the teams that we're on a par here with in terms of the chances we're conceding are not teams we necessarily want to be associated with, but they're also teams that we finished a long way above. And this is where Bern Leno comes in because you look at Forest and Bournemouth and Leicester and Leeds and Everton, these Southampton, these are teams that, that struggled all season. And it's definitely an area that Fulham are going to have to work on. And it's hard to know quite exactly what the problem is. I, I think going back to your point earlier about the ability of Premier League players to produce moments from nothing, like that Fred pass, you really can't afford to switch off. And in that moment when Fred plays that reverse pass, our defensive line switches off and they yeah. don't track the runner and the chance comes. And whether that's... Another see you know, with this season that the players have got under their belts and Issa Diop and Tossin getting used to playing with each other and Tim Ream, who, yes, had a fantastic season, whether they just need to get back up to speed or whether it's a case of actually 
maybe that's a, an area of the pitch that we need to improve on. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure, but we definitely need to reduce the the, the amount of chances we're conceding because we're not we can't rely on Burton. I know every game. Hundred percent. One of the things that stands out for me here is that, that Leno, again on, the, on your previous side, is comfortably top two, and then looking down at this list here, the only other keeper that is has a correlation with the team that's faced the most XG, I think, is Neto and Pickford, and even then, yeah, they have had very minimal impact on how how many goals they've prevented. Um, which it just stands out is the quality of the keeper at the bottom half of the league. You need to have a good one to have that good good platform to grow and, and that foundational piece. You know, if I'm, if I'm again using terminology that's used in American North American sports, is foundation. What foundational pieces do you have? And I think you look at Fulham's spine. You 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 have Leno, you have Diop, you have Palinia, you have Mitrovic. That's a very very good spine. And you need to start building and evolving around that spine. And I think that next year, with the right moves in the transfer market, you'll see that XG come down. And I think with a couple of tactical tweaks for sure. I think we'll probably get into the preview of the next season in a couple of minutes. But one of the things has to be an eight that is comfortable in possession and and defending as well. Um, and, and I think for me, we've just touched on the centre-halves. And I think that we'll see at least two more come in in this summer and that's going to be a tricky thing because clearly Diop's going to start and I think Tim Ream will probably come back in next year should he get back up to speed and then you're like okay who are you going to get of any quality that's going to want to sit next to Tosin on the bench yeah yeah I I think it's a valid point and it is hard to know where Fulham go here because I think we all agree Tim Ream has been fantastic but he has also, I, we, we say it every year, but it really does feel like he must have hit his ceiling now. And if he can produce another season of those performances, that's fantastic. Yeah. But part of me does think that we do, there has to be some mitigation of risk here and we have to be prepared for the moment where Tim Ream does start to fall off because it will happen. And so I think we definitely need a left-sided centre-back. It's, been interesting watching Issa and Tossin together over the past few weeks since Tim Ream got injured and there's a lot of people have said that it just doesn't quite look comfortable having that right-footed player on the left and it's hard to to disagree with that and so it's definitely an area I think that, that Fulham need to improve and then as you mentioned in terms of the an, an eight with with quality on the ball and it was interesting what you said about Andreas Pereira versus Tom Kearney earlier because I agree that that TC in terms of in live play, so when the ball is is in play as opposed to dead ball situations, he brings us far more creativity than Andreas does. But then there was a moment against Crystal Palace when they scored their first goal, which I think to me highlighted quite strongly where TC does leave you something to be desired. And it was when Eberetje Eze just breezed past him in the first bit of that phase of play. And I don't think that happens with Andreas Pereira. And so this is where Fulham have got a really interesting dilemma where I think it pushes onto this guy quite nicely yeah. into Harrison Reed, because he has been superb again this season and he has been 
every season. I don't think there's been a, a season where I, I think that he has been disappointing. He has consistently been a consistent performer for Fulham. You know, he, you know what you're getting out of him. But if we have a look at his, his stats on, on the left-hand side, you know, I think some of the things that jump out to me are the, the things in possession. So the, the passes he's attempting um, per game sit him in the, in the bottom 30% of the league. In terms of carrying the ball, he's roughly around the 30th percentile in the league as well. So he, he is not a player that brings us a huge amount in possession creatively. And so I think the, the big stat that pulls, pulls out there, uh, the progressive passes received, so that's the number of passes that he receives where the ball is going forward to him, which is great because he does act as that link. It, that's his, his dynamism allows that, his ability to get up and down the pitch, to receive passes, to, to give it off and, and get Fulham going forward is great. But the other possessive qualities around that, we know that he's maybe not as technically gifted as, say, Tom Kearney is. But what he does provide is that out-of-possession desire... The, the the willingness to run to get into tackles to to just be a nuisance, and I think this is where Fulham need to work out whether Harrison Reed is a mainstay and plays as many games as he did this year. I think it was thirty five, thirty six games he started this season, or if we are to progress and to grow as a team, do we need a second option in that number eight slot who is maybe more talented in possession? but maybe not as defensively sound. And I think this is originally maybe going to be Sasha Lukic. And I think we may maybe save that discussion for another time. But just in general, I wonder if Fulham's growth here requires us to, as as we've spoken about earlier, being that duality of being a little bit more confident with the ball against the teams we know we're better at, and then when we're up against the, the top six club or if we're away from home at a really a, a tough ground to go to, Harrison Reed is your man to provide you with that stability. Yeah. I, I think that there's, if I'm going to counter that immediately, I, I again, wholly agree with everything you've just said, I'm going to play devil's advocate and counter is does Harrison Reed get lumped into two boxes too easily? You know, it's a, he's all, all blood and guts no creative talent and we use him against teams where we've got our back up against the wall um, and therefore he should come out against teams where we are heavily in possession but you know even against those teams where we're heavily in possession we're going to need someone to break it up and it can't all be Palina. I think that that's what I get and I'm going to count on my own point by saying that's one of the things that we need to grow on next season and, and to get that XG or the shots faced down is by giving Palina someone who can effectively help him and be that transition link in midfield. And I'm not, I'm, I'm almost hesitating to say that, that can't be Harrison Reed because, you know, I've seen it so many times, I think it can be. But like, I think he's probably at a ceiling to an extent now. And we need someone to break through that ceiling and kick on and give us an extra edge. I, I, I'm yet to decide whether the Fred links are exactly what we're looking for. I think Fred has um, failed to land anywhere near the potential that he was meant to have ahead of that move to Manchester United. Yet, again, granted that Manchester United in those three or four years he's been have been through a handful of managers 
turmoil on and off the pitch, you know, bad, bad performances, bad results. And this season he's finally started to look like he might be the guy, but I'm just, there is a side to me that thinks, you know, if we're backs against the wall against someone like a City, a Arsenal, Spurs, Chelsea, is he going to dig in and help us play? Or is he going to be one of those eights that you can play around that you're looking for? Mm. Yeah, no, I, I, I do take that point. And, and I agree with, with what you're saying with, with Harrison to his end. And I, I think it's worth saying to, to people listening is that we're not saying that Harrison Reed is suddenly out of this team. Oh, of I course. Regardless of, of whether we bring in a, a slightly different character in that number eight slot or not, Harrison Reed still plays a huge role next season because he is fantastic and he fits in this team brilliantly. And I think he embodies everything that's been great about Fulham over these past two seasons is that tenacity um, out of possession, but also the improvement that we've seen on an individual level through some of these players. You know, Harrison Reed this season it was a is a is a different player to the player he was in the championship. You know, we saw him bring goals into the, his game. We've seen him bring late runs into the box into his game. And these are things that he wasn't previously doing. And I think those two areas of that, that gutsiness and, and that willing to fight combined with constant progression in your own abilities is, is what Marco Silva has brought to Fulham. And I think that's massive. But it's just, yeah, I think it is a question of whether if we want to become, if we want to hit another level, I think we maybe just need another creative player in there. And actually maybe that creative player then sits higher up and maybe it's competition for for Andreas Pereira rather than for Harrison Reed. It just feels like at times we've got three midfielders who are very good out of possession and provide us with a lot of stability but when we've got the ball, maybe just don't have that quality to, to make things happen. Agree. And it's going to be like finding a needle at a haystack to get a midfielder who's comfortable out of possession, but also produces what you need to in it. And, you know, I, I, again, I, I don't like to box people off in good out of possession, bad in possession, good in possession, bad out of possession. It's just not, it's not that simple. But those players that are good at both are elite level players, you know, and, and they're very difficult to come by for a club of our size. So we're going to have to, we're going to have to um, sacrifice one to get the other. But again, I don't think there's any problem with that. Knowing the tactical nous and prowess that Marco Silva has and his ability to move from tactic to tactic throughout the game. And, and I, I do think that if there's one criticism of Silva that we've had this year as a podcast and probably as a fan base, it's his ability to to go ahead and be a bit more forthright with the subs that he brings on and when. Mm. And I would like to see that change next year. Yeah. And, that, and that's where, you know, yeah, where you, where you can, where we're able to change things up on the, on the fly. So I think more often, I think, yeah, this it's it, an elite manager, the, the real, real best. And I've, I've always believed this are the ones that actually are able to make changes on the fly. And it doesn't matter if that change is it comes, you know, 10 minutes in when you see actually this opposition have set up differently or maybe we're not quite right. Or if it's in the last 10 minutes when the opposition send on a, a different threat, the ability to change games from within them, I think is super important because everyone does prep. Every team prepares meticulously for games in the Premier League. But your ability to go away from that plan, if it's not working, is, is super important. And I think it's something that Marco is 
is working on. And it's definitely changed because it's one of the things that Everton fans all instantly rush to warn us about Marco Silva as well. This guy's got no plan B. And I think uh, over time that the plan B has, has evolved and at the start of last season in the championship, there wasn't one, but it grew throughout the season. And actually this season, the Premier League has almost been like an entire plan B because we have moved away from what plan A was. Yeah. But I, I agree that if you've got, and I think this is maybe where it's also not his fault. If you've got different, makeups of player especially in that midfield three if you've got Harrison Reed compared with a more creative eight if you've got Andreas Pereira versus Tom Kearney like we have had you are able to change things a bit more easily but actually at times this season he's looked at the bench and yes maybe we want some more quality on the pitch but we don't have any other midfielders to throw in there. You know, it's easy to forget that we spent the first half of the season with with Nat Chalaber on the bench and yeah. Josh Onoma. You know, yeah. it's 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 easy to forget the sort of players that were in this squad at the start of the season. So it's it's not been easy for him. And this is where I think this summer is super important. There's there's a, a big area of of squad depth that needs adding. You know, we need different options and we need some some more bodies in the squad, basically. Yeah, completely. I, I would be interested to see how the amount of bodies that we have used this season in comparison to the rest of the Premier League. I think clearly we have a very small squad and what we've done this year is even more impressive given that it was essentially the same cast as last season. And we've managed to go on and push on and secure you know, a, a very highly respectable place in the Premier League. You know, How many teams do you see come up with that same cast of player and get absolutely stomped on? I don't think there's any in recent memory that I can immediately spring to mind of the maybe Sheffield United in that COVID year that came up with essentially the same cast of players and then, you know, performed significantly well uh, and, and maintained their status. But then obviously that fell off a cliff. Well, this is this is what we need to avoid, right? This is where... Yeah. You can't afford and afford to just sit and, and and say, "Well, this team's done us good this season. We don't need wholesale changes." Mm. There, there needs to be constant improvement because no team stands still in the Premier League. The ones that do are the ones that that go. Yeah, and, and you've you've complacency at the yeah, bottom of the league. Yeah, and you've you've seen it in, in the bottom of the league. You see it at the top of the league. You see teams that you know. You look at this this Pep City side. They are constantly looking for improvements. And one of the the big criticisms that Mancini got as city manager back when they won the league for the first time was the next season they didn't do anything they didn't yeah. make any changes in the summer they thought well this team's won us the league it'll win us the league next year and it doesn't work like that teams are constantly tweaking and improving and so and then Fulham will know this and I think Marco has spoken about this quite candidly um, that we are looking to improve there are, there are different players that we want to bring into this squad and I think it's going to be a fun summer I think there are going to be if we ignore the potential outgoings and the worries of those I think there's going to be some fun links this summer and, yeah. and potentially a, a sort of marquee signing or two which I think is really really exciting because we, we haven't had one of those in quite a while that would be really bloody lovely and it would be great if they didn't shit the bed like all the rest of our marquee signings have so far yeah Exactly. When I say something we haven't had in a while, it was with the vision of a marquee signing working as opposed <laughs> as opposed to ending up on loan at Galatasaray two years after. Um, <laughs> but Jams, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, it's always great doing this. Thanks, mate. Yeah, I've loved every second of this and look forward to next season with great anticipation. 
Likewise. So it's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening. And uh, we will hopefully see you at some point over the summer with a little transfer whiteboard special as we start to see some waves in the the transfer window. So keep an eye out for that one. Thanks for listening and come on, you whites.